0: welcome to faith and family a radio outreach of family life center international and now from greenville south carolina here's your host steve wood hello this is steve wood and welcome to faith and family thank you for joining us in this broadcast today and we're in the middle of a series entitled transformative parenting and what we're talking about is the spiritual formation of children that survives and thrives in the midst of our darkening culture. Uh, In a minute or two, I'm gonna tell you why I was prompted to write a letter to Pope Benedict XVI. I'm also gonna share with you a little bit of what I said in that letter. But before we get going towards that, need to review a little bit where we're going so far because there's some building blocks in this series that we're trying to establish. And we're really trying to establish a rock solid spiritual formation program for our children that meets the needs to our day so number one our world and culture have changed i know that's not new news but we need to recognize that since our world and culture have changed that our society will no longer provide the outward supports for the practice of the faith we need to realize that our young people are the hardest hit by this degeneration of our culture. Two, because there are no outward supports, we need strong inward supports. And youth, and I should say adults as well, in today's changing world need a strong internal personal faith attachment to Jesus Christ that will enable them to survive spiritually in the world in which we live. In other words, they need a strong, heart-centered, spiritual transformation to guide, equip, and empower them to live in today's world. Three, and this is where we cautioned that an emphasis on a religious, mandatory religious requirements, is having disastrous results among Catholic youth. Specifically, uh, we need to encourage a strong relationship to Christ that comes through God's grace. And when we present, for instance, a sacrament uh, as a list of legalistic hurdles that young people need to jump over in order to obtain a sacrament, we're sending kind of a mixed message to the young people because they need internal grace, not external conformity to some legalistic requirements. Four, there needs to be a strong relational setting in order to convey a strong relationship to Christ. It's just a fact of teaching that you try to instruct in a manner with whatever we're trying to teach or convey that's consistent. Uh, with the subject. In other words, if it's relational, you want to teach in a relational setting. We had a whole broadcast on that topic. But specifically, we talked about the weaknesses of limiting instruction to a classroom. I mean, as far as I know, Jesus never used a classroom in forming his disciples. And I shared how CCD teachers and parochial school teachers who have the wisdom to build a relationship bridge with their students, perhaps through some activities outside the classroom, have the potential to double or perhaps even quadruple the effectiveness of their teaching. And that brought us to the premise where we're on right now. The premise is this, the strength of faith conveyed to a child or teen is directly proportional to the strength of the relationship between student and teacher. So if the strength of the faith conveyed is paralleled by the strength of the relationship between teacher and student, the question then has to be put forward, who are the best religious teachers of children? And the answer is parents. That's why the Catholic Church calls parents the primary educators of their children. Talking about a strong relationship bond between teacher and student, parents share flesh and blood, DNA, home, hearth, 18 years or longer living in the same home. And because they have the strongest relational bond with their children, they can also convey the strongest faith. And I need to add a second time a very sober warning. If today's Catholic children don't receive an active spiritual formation from their parents, they have a high likelihood of washing out of the faith and giving in to our secular culture. And that brings us again, and I'm reemphasizing this because this is the flag that the Catholic Church in the formation of children, I'm talking about parishes and parents, this is the flag they need to march under to stand up to the secular culture and keep kids attached to Christ. And that flag is an apostolic exhortation by blessed John Paul II entitled, Catechesis in Our Time. We cannot, we cannot neglect this because this is the key for what will get children through the times in which we're living. Blessed John Paul II wrote, family catechesis in places where widespread unbelief or invasive secularism makes real religious growth practically impossible, the church of the home remains the one place where children and young people can receive an authentic catechesis. The one place when you have widespread unbelief. The one place when you have invasive secularism is the church of the home, where children can receive an authentic catechesis. And then, blessed John Paul II goes on to say, encouragement must be given to the individuals or institutions that help parents perform their task. The service that they are doing to catechesis is beyond price. So in other words, the one place where this can be done effectively, and I'm not saying these other places are unimportant or totally ineffective. I'm saying we need to make it as strong as we possibly can. And based on our premise, strength of faith is dependent upon strength of relationship between teacher and student it's, it just logically falls into place that parents are the key players in this. So therefore, parental training for family catechesis is prime. And I'm going to say something that might uh, cause you to think. But parental training for family catechesis is more important than youth ministry, children's ministry, CCD, and parochial schools in a culture where widespread unbelief and invasive secularism makes real religious growth impossible. What? Are you saying that Catholic schools aren't important? No, I am not saying that. Are you saying CCD isn't important? I'm not saying that. Are you saying Catholic youth groups aren't important? No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that training of parents for family catechesis is the most important. It's primary, particularly given the age in which we live. These other things are good and important, but we're talking about priority. And Pope John Paul II saying assisting parents in in this task is beyond price. Now, beyond price means... This has a zero category in a parish budget. Beyond price means it's worth more than other things because this is the one thing that's going to work in today's world. And you know what? Forgive me, but please No more religious hot air about parents being the primary educators of their children and then doing nothing about it to assist those parents. You know, John Paul II will be celebrated and is celebrated for his papacy and his uh, beatification coming up, but honoring who I call the Pope of family life, and it was his writings on the family what brought me into the Catholic Church, you know rather than saying a lot of things about John Paul II, how about honoring, honoring the Pope of family life by doing exactly what he says to be done for the family, for the training of parents in the day in which we live. That, I can't think of a better, more honoring way to, to give respect and dignity and honor to the papacy of the Pope of the family, and that's doing what he says. Now, I realize there's some very, very good exceptions in parishes and movements around the country in helping parents perform this task, but the norm is next to nothing in most parishes, and we are losing our children and our grandchildren, and their eternal lives are at stake, and we can't wait for, say, 10 years for change to come. I have a grandson, for instance, who's uh, three years old. In 10 years, he'll be a teenager. Uh, The prime time for beginning this type of spiritual formation of children will be past. He'll be a teen. He'll be an adolescent. We can't wait 10 years to implement this. This has to be done now. Okay, now, you're listening to Faith and Family. I'm your host, Steve Wood, and believe it or not, that was just my intro and warm-up. And now we're going to get to my letter to Pope Benedict XVI. Let's see, I think it was back in late 2007, Pope Benedict XVI uh, issued actually two or three times a very heartfelt uh, declaration that the Catholic Church is experiencing in what he called, quote, an educational emergency, unquote. Now, you know what emergency is? Emergency is certain things like uh, a family member is hospitalized or is in an accident, and you're doing many important things with your life. But an emergency means you drop good and important things to deal with the emergency because an emergency demands our total and immediate attention. And, he, and the Holy Father said, We have an educational emergency that exists in passing on the faith and true Christian values to new generations. And then he called forth for parents to be the catechist of their children, because this is, he basically echoed John, Pope John Paul II, and he urged uh, various efforts within the church to assist parents in this primary duty because he saw it. This is the way you meet the emergency. So in any case, based on all that, I felt compelled to write Pope Benedict XVI. I started with Dear Most Holy Father with heartfelt agreement. I read of your recent pointed remarks concerning the educational emergency that exists in passing on the faith to new generations. I believe that a substantial part of the solution to this crisis is Christian fathers rediscovering their role as family catechists and moral leaders. It is my experience that fathers require an an explicit and specific challenge in order to respond to this responsibility. When contemporary men hear that it is mentioned that catechesis is a parent's responsibility, most men will assume this exhortation is directed to their wives. And then I enclosed a copy of my book, Legacy, where I showed some statistics of what happens when mom does it alone and what happens when dad is involved. Now, I got a nice letter back from Pope Benedict XVI, but what was I saying in that letter? Okay, the pope comes out and say you're a sincere Catholic guy, and you hear the pope comes out, there's an educational emergency. Uh, kids are growing up, they hit their teens, uh, they hit their 20s, they're falling away. It's, uh, the faith is not sticking, Christian morals are not sticking, they're just giving way to the secular culture. The pope says there's an emergency. Two popes in a row then identify that if parents become actively involved in the spiritual formation and catechesis of their children, this can be stemmed. And the average Catholic guy is just thinking, well, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'll have to let my wife know about this because she does this stuff. No, that's not what I was trying to uh, emphasize with Pope Benedict XVI. I know he would agree with me that fathers need to do this along with mothers. And Catholic mothers have been doing a good job of this. But what I'm calling for is that fathers step up to the plate given this special situation we find ourselves in. Both parents are are to be involved, but a lot of times Catholic guys in today's world when we say parents need to be the catechists and the primary educators of their children, I agree, my wife really needs to get on the ball. No, you need to get on the ball if you're a guy, if you're a husband, if you're a father. This is your responsibility too. And I enclosed highlighting a couple of pages in my book Legacy where I recall the results of a Swiss study that asked the question what causes a person's faith to carry through from childhood to adult religious belief and practice uh, this is a great study i wish they do these all the time in other words how do you have the faith go down the generations how do you have the faith go to your children so that it sticks How do you share the faith with children so that they don't fall away when they become teenagers or in their 20s? And this is what the study found, that there was one overwhelming factor and that was the religious practice of dad. They just picked out church attendance, for instance. No matter what happened uh, with a dad, let's just take that out of the, the picture. If only mom goes to church and takes the kids, they found through this European study, there is a statistical probability that one child in 50 will become a regular churchgoer in adulthood. In other words, if mom alone does it, 2% probability. Now, I don't know about you, but if you want your children to go to heaven, I mean, Attending church is is part of religious practice. Is how we maintain, keep, and grow faith. If you want a ninety eight percent probability strike against your kids, that's not that's 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 uh, that, that, those aren't very good odds. Okay, only two percent. But let's let's say what if dad regularly goes to church and takes the kids with them, with him and. It doesn't make any difference whether mom goes or not. In other words, the key they found was just if the father goes, no matter what the mom does, there's a 66 to 75 percent probability that the children will grow up as adults to be faithful church goers. Okay, two percent or 66 percent, two percent or two thirds to three quarters. I don't quite have. The answer to why this is, but this is. <laughs> this is what is happening. Now, if you're a Catholic parent, you should be pretty concerned with what's coming down the pike. Do you know what I'm talking about by like what's coming down the pike? I'm talking about particularly what has happened just since the last round of elections where same sex marriage is spreading. Amongst the nations of the world, same sex marriage is spreading among the states here in these United States. And just wait, just wait to what you're going to be seeing your children, let's say your child's four or five years old, in the coming decade when they're getting access to computers and smartphones and such. Can you imagine what's going to be coming through, YouTube videos, what's going to be coming through on the movies that all the teens go to see and the music they're hearing? You know, now there's the, ever since the late 60s, it's extolling fornication, sex outside of marriage. But believe me, homosexuality is going to be glorified in the secular media, and it's going to be a huge challenge for parents. So what's the answer to the onslaught of same-sex marriage? I'm going to step on your toes because a lot of people put hope in the wrong place. Our hope as Catholic Christians is in Jesus Christ, is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and following the instruction and how to convey that truth and faith about Jesus Christ to our children. That is our hope. But You know, if you're like me, kind of on the conservative side of things, you might be tempted to put your hope in the Republican Party. Do you think they're going to stop same-sex marriage? Our past Republican president first lady recently participated in a lesbian wedding ceremony, and our past Republican vice president was okay with same-sex marriage as far back as 2004. Just this week, I heard of a leading Republican contender for the next presidential race just uh, surrendered to same sex marriage in his state. And I'm not going to start in on the Democrats. I mean, they're, I'll just leave it at that. So, what are you going to do when you're raising children in a Sodom and Gomorrah environment? Well, I'll tell you what you do you do exactly and precisely what God did. In the exact same situation. You go back to the book of Genesis chapters 18 and 19. It talks about in chapter 18, God coming to Abraham and saying he was on his way to investigate if the immorality that he had heard reported of Sodom and Gomorrah was as bad as, as the report said, and if it was, he was going to judge it. And chapter 19, he goes in and with the whole affair with Lot, and it certainly was as bad as um, it was reported, and judgment fell on that. But there's a very, very, very interesting verse right in the middle of this whole account. It's in Genesis 18 and verse 19. Um, God prefaces this with saying, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do down in Sodom and Gomorrah? And he goes, verse 19 of Genesis 18, no, I've chosen him that he may charge his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he promised him. See, the Lord promised Abraham that one of his descendants would be the savior of the world. 2,000 years later, the very first verse of the Old Testament, this promise came true. But in order for the promise to come true, there had to be someone who would have the faith in his family to, to make sure that he didn't subcontract the job of instructing his family in the way of the Lord, but there would be a father who would take the personal responsibility to charge his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. And that doesn't mean just a few abstract intellectual concepts. I mean, that means dad leads by example, that dad teaches with his mouth. It doesn't mean you need to be a theological expert. And Abraham wasn't perfect. No father on earth is, only our heavenly father is perfect. But this man did the job. And as a result, 2,000 years later, the world has a savior. And it was because of Abraham's gift in teaching his children. And God says, I chose him because he will keep the way of the Lord and teach his children, teach his household. And as a result, God will bring all of these promises of the faith through the generations to this man. And this is precisely how you keep your kids and grandkids Catholic while our culture self-destructs, just like Sodom and Gomorrah did, into a self-oblivion. So if you're a concerned parent raising children in today's hostile-to-the-faith culture, you can be assured. I know a lot of you are concerned, and you should be concerned, don't get me wrong, but you should also be assured. Uh, This isn't the first round God's faithful people have been in this situation, and we look to the Scriptures for people who have been in precisely our generation, and this is the way to do it. Uh, God wants to single out the dads. In Psalm 78, another very important psalm, right along with Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19, the first eight verses of Psalm 78 basically deal with how do you keep children faithful to God. He uses the, the term Steadfast. There was a generation that was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. How do you keep this type of washout? Well, the verses right before tell you. It says, Give ear, O my people. That means listen. Okay? I will talk about things of old, things we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, and we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation glorious deeds of the Lord. Now, see, when they heard it from their fathers, it says, we have heard and known. That verb, to know, in Hebrew, conveys a very intimate, per- interpersonal relationship, to know. Uh, in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve had marital relations, it says, Adam knew his wife. This is the deep communion between people. And see, a lot of times young people are kind of getting information, kind of info facts about God. But if a dad conveys the faith, the strength of the faith conveyed will be the strength of the relationship between teacher and student and your dad. And as a result, you not just hear it, you know it. And this is the kind of heart transformation that gets you through the times in which we live. So it says further in his psalm, He established a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them. There's that word know again. That's not a little casual, yeah, I have some factoids about the Bible. I have some abstract knowledge about a catechism. No, I know God. I love God. My dad taught me to love God because my dad loved God. And as a result, your grandchildren, the children yet unborn, will rise up and set their hope in God. This is God's plan for keeping the faith going in any and all circumstances. This is God's plan for keeping the faith going in circumstances that we're living in today, for the challenges that we're facing today. Now you say, well, Steve, I don't have a doctorate in theology, I'm not a theologian, I've never taught anybody anything about the Bible or theology or the catechism or anything. That's okay. You tune in next week, I'm going to be sharing with you a very simple, straightforward, easy to implement way that you can begin the process just like Abraham did in his family, I guarantee you. Hang with me 30 minutes next week. I'll have you equipped to start walking in the faith of the fathers. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at FamilyLifeCenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.FamilyLifeCenter.net.